brought that golf game up, man. I play about once a year, and, you know, once a year you can go out and play golf and feel pretty good, because if you make one or two good shots, you're going, dude, I'm good. Wow. So I'm going to have to work on my golf game here so I can take him up on that, that challenge. Hey, it is, it is great for me to be here. Even before church started, I was mingling with some folks and connected with Dan, who, boy, 20 plus years ago, we went to Mexico together with a group of high school students. Uh, connected with Jane and know her family. Uh, Casey singing up here. Suddenly, I'm just going, and this is a big family, the church. It really is. And as Pastor Terry said, Jesus' prayer in John 17 was for the church that we would come to complete unity as the church. That we wouldn't be competing against each other, but that we would really embrace one another's contribution to kingdom values, kingdom uh, goals, kingdom mission. And so again, this morning is one expression of that unity that we have here in this Diablo Valley of 20 plus pastors this morning kind of mixing things up. We are experiencing a sense of unity as pastors, and we believe that that can also trickle down into the life of the churches in this area. So we think God is up to something significant, and you're a part of that. You're a significant player in what God is doing here. Every church in our area, in our region, contributes to what God is about. And we want to kind of be unified together in that. And I you know, I, unfortunately, I don't know Terry all that well. The times we've connected, we kind of go like, we got to do this more often. Um, but I really respect him. He is a humble man, and yet a man with great wisdom. I mean, when he speaks in our gatherings, I mean, I kind of sit up. I kind of lean forward to say, well, what is Terry going to say here? And he always speaks wisdom into our discussion, and he brings, with such, he brings it with such humility. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, you guys are so fortunate. Give it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he often speaks of you. Now, the church, uh, this local expression of the church. And, I, you know, I've taken note as he's shared stories of how passionate you are to be people of influence. Not just to huddle here around some cool tables. This is pretty cool. Here, I like this. Um, but to be people of influence in your broader community. To be the church out there, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your schools. I've been very impressed with that. So I want to thank you for the contribution you're making to what God wants to do in this area. You know, I, I want to pray for you. I, I want God to continue to, his great blessings on you. So pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you because the reality is that there is no other Father we can come to. We've tried. We've explored. We've tested lots of different things that we think might give life and meaning, but they come up every time shallow. They come up empty. And so again, this morning, we just come before you. This living God, this intimate God, this God who partners with us in life. Oh, we are, we marvel at who you are. 
And we thank you for that. And we ask that you continue to do an amazing work here in this local church. That you, by your spirit, your spirit's presence, and, the, and the, by the power of your spirit, that you would make yourself known in a very deep and intimate and personal way to, for each person here. And that that would translate into conversations with people in the neighborhoods, in the streets, in the stores, in the schools, in the workplace, so that you might be honored. That these people, that your church could be pointing other people to the, to the, to the love, to the grace, to the mercy, to the compassion, to, the, to your truth. And that people would literally come to new life in you because of the work of this church, the work of these people that you are so passionate about. So, Heavenly Father, continue your amazing work in the life of this church. And we pray for Pastor Terry as he's in another location, that you would continue to fill him with your spirit, uh, that you would fill him with vision and passion for your word, for your people, and for all people in this community. And that he would have all the resources he needs to lead in some significant ways. So may your blessings continue to be poured out uh, on this church and on Terry. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you. First date experience. There's always a little, well, maybe a lot of apprehension about a first date. But there's a lot of hope in that as well, isn't there? Uh, there's, there's some caution as you go into a first date experience. But there's a, an eagerness to, to taste of what that is. My literally first date experience also involved being grounded by my parents. But that's another story. <laughs> I was huddling with a group of guys just recently, and we were talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, we talk a lot about Father God. We talk a lot about Jesus the Son. But we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And this one guy in this group of guys is a, is a young man that was brought up in the church. Uh, he, has, he has a rich commitment to Christ. He actually has a, a master's in theology. And as we talked about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, he looked at us and said, you know what? This is somewhat new to me, understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. He said, it's kind of like a first date experience with the Holy Spirit that there's some apprehension about it, but there's also some excitement about what's next, what could happen, what could unfold here with this relationship with the Holy Spirit. See, my friend, he knew Father God, he knew Jesus, his, Jesus' story, his purpose, his character, uh, the reason for the cross, he got all that, but the Spirit seemed a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, 
hard to get a hold of, a little bit vague, um, a little bit unpredictable, um, even kind of rather incomprehensible, this Holy Spirit, this invisible Spirit. Let me ask you, would you rather have Jesus, the physical Jesus, kind of hanging out with you? Kind of, Jesus, man, how you doing? You know, and, and, and Jesus saying, hey, do you want, do you mind if I give you some advice for today? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Hey, do you need some, you know, extra strength to take on this situation you're in? Jesus, that would, I mean, wouldn't that be cool to have Jesus kind of walk with you physically and tap him on the shoulder, dude, and hang on to his shirt tails and say, dude, I'm hanging on to you. Wouldn't that be cool? Or would you ra- rather have this invisible spirit that is out there somewhere that you're trying to get a hold of, kind of trying to tap into? Well, I would probably choose the physical Jesus. I and mean, there's just something about us being flesh and blood that I feel a little more comfortable with a physical presence of Jesus. But that's not the reality today. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure many of you are far ahead of me, even in your understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit. But let me share, you, share with you some fuller understanding that I'm just kind of getting my hands around. Some of it is just really elementary, but trying to kind of take hold of that in some new ways. Jesus, when he was preparing to leave earth, he huddled his believers, his disciples, he, and they said, and he said, don't worry. I'm going to leave, but, I, but I've got something for you. And this is what he says in John 14. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But, but you, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. These two words, another advocate, the word another in the original language um, can have two different meanings. One meaning like similar kind and the other meaning is exact same representation. And the latter is what is used here for another. And so Jesus is saying there's another advocate. It's just like the first one. It's just like Jesus. Not similar in some ways, but literally the spirit, the power of Jesus, as if he was standing right here, comes in this other uh, advocate. Exactly, exactly like Jesus, the Spirit comes. And then advocate, of course, is a word that means to come alongside of, to work with you. And so Jesus is saying, this Spirit, you know, I'm leaving, no longer will be present in this earth, in the physical form, but I will send you this, another advocate who is literally exactly like me. Same spirit, same power, same priority, same presence. He will come to you. And then Jesus goes on in John 16 and says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. 
If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. Jesus is saying, you're better off with me not being here on earth. You're better off with the Holy Spirit. So what do you do with that? I mean, I just said that I'd kind of rather would have Jesus kind of hanging out with me. But Jesus says, no, you don't get it. It's better. It's better for you that I leave because then I will send the Spirit who is exactly like me. Same heart, same integrity, same power, same strength, all of that. And we understand that this Spirit has come to you and to me. As followers of Christ, this Spirit is literally in you. I know there's a mystery to that, but the fact is that with God's Word, that's the promise that the Holy Spirit resides in you, at the core of who you are as a person, as a follower of Jesus. The Spirit is with you. Francis Chan, who wrote a, a book called Forgotten God, looking at the Holy Spirit, um, he says this, and I want you to kind of check out this video uh, of just the reality, what this reality means for you and me to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, there are just a ton of promises about the Holy Spirit that are so obvious, that are huge, that we're not applying to our lives. I'm not talking about finding an, an obscure truth. I'm talking about how the God of the universe, I mean, Jesus himself, Promise. He goes, look, I'm going to put my very spirit into your body, inside of you. You're, you're going to become this new creation. It's going to change everything. He's going to come into you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. He's going to guide you into all truth. And somehow we miss all of that. We, we, we miss the fact that right now I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's better. Better than being a disciple hanging out with Jesus centuries ago. Today, we have the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost residing alive in us. If that's true, which I believe it is, I, I ask, why is it that so many people who are followers of Christ look exactly like people who don't have the Spirit of God living in them. Why is that? Why is it that so many believers have the same concerns, fears, anxieties, insecurities that everyone else has that doesn't have God in their life? What, what, something doesn't connect here. There's something, there's a gap that's not making sense in my life. Or as I, as I perceive the, the Christian world and those who don't know Christ often look so similar. I have a quote here, and it's the wrong quote. I just noticed the quote that I gave you is the wrong quote. So let me just read this quote to you. It's by A.W. Tozer, a theo, theologian. And, it, and he says this, We may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap 
and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that is it. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're way ahead of me, man. Okay, the, the bulletin is not right. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I saw that. Wow. Um, so why is it that people are living spiritless lives when God wants us to live a spirit-filled life? What's, the, what's going on there? Lately, I've been challenged. I've been challenged to compete in a swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco. Um, yeah, you kind of moan. And, you know, the first time I, when, the first night that I said, okay, I'm doing it, I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> you know, swimming through the cold waters, the rough waters, the current-filled waters of the bay from Alcatraz to the city. I jumped in the pool with a good friend of mine who's an open-water swimmer. I've never done any open water swimming like this before. And so I wanted to be coached by him. And so I, we jumped in the pool at Heather Farms in Walnut Creek. And he said, hey, why don't you swim a few laps for me to kind of see your stroke? So I jumped in the pool, started doing my stroke. And, you know, I grew up swimming. I, 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 I mean, I, I competed swimming and swimming. And so I'm thinking, dude, I am, I'm good, you know. <laughs> and and I'm sure my friend Neil, who's going to coach me, is going to say, you know, Kurt, I don't really see much I need to, you know, tweak in your, in your stroke. You're looking good. You know, just, just get, build up your endurance. And so I'm just kind of, yeah. You know, and he grabs my leg as I swim by me. He says, hey, let me talk to you. I'm going, yeah, okay. You know, he's, okay, let's, let's talk. And he says, you know, Kurt, um, yeah, he says, nice stroke. Nice stroke for a swimming pool. But he says... If you want to swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco, you've got to change your stroke in some major ways. If you want to, to go to a new destination, if you want to you know, increase the distance of how you swim, you're going to need to change your stroke. And suddenly, boy, I mean, that was like a bombshell saying, really? I've I got to change this, this stroke that I've done for years? It's worked for me for a long time in the pool. But he says, if you try to use that same stroke, your own, those, that, the, the technique, the habits you've, you've learned over the years, if you're trying to use that to go to the new distance of the city from Alcatraz, you won't make it. And, I, and, and suddenly I began to think about my own spiritual life. You know, I, I would love to go to, to some new destinations in my spiritual life. I really, I mean, I need to go to some new destinations in my spiritual life. But if I, but it's not about just trying harder. That's what I thought I needed to do for swimming. I, could, I just build up my endurance, just try harder. But my friends say, no, you've got to change your stroke. And I think the same is true for me in my spiritual life. I've, I've got to change my stroke. I've got to change how I, maybe I've been doing things so that I can get to some new destinations spiritually. I don't want to keep swimming laps, spiritually speaking. I want to, I want to stretch and reach some new destinations in my life, in ministry, in mission with other people. But I, I've got to understand the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, or I'm just going to be trying harder. 
Man, are you tired of trying harder? See, this Christian life is more than believing God, coming to church and trying harder. It's way more than that. And, and this Holy Spirit is, is the key for us to live. I mean, Jesus is up in heaven now. I mean, he's supreme. He, he's, he's there. He's not here anymore. But he says it's better. I've given you the Holy Spirit. The things that I've done, you will do, he says. And even more, he says. Figure that out. You, the church, can do more than what Jesus did here when he was living. That's what he says. So I'm trying to learn a new stroke because I'm, be, I'm seeing that the power of the Holy Spirit makes a significant difference. I mean, look in the Old Testament. We have Joseph in the Old Testament, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he's gifted to rule the empire of Egypt by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon Joshua, and he becomes a, a, a great military leader. Power comes to Jeremiah and all the prophets that speak these profound words of prophecy. The, the power of the Spirit comes upon Gideon who just feels like a wimp. And the power of the Spirit comes and fills him up so that he becomes a warrior. I mean, his name gets changed to warrior. The power of the Spirit comes upon Samson and he literally tears a lion apart from limb to limb by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And do I know that power? In the New Testament, we see that power continued. We see it in, in even the beginning of Jesus, the conception of Jesus. The, the Spirit is there. In the miracles of Jesus, the Spirit is there. And in fact, in the resurrection, the Spirit is the one who breathes new life into the body of Jesus. So he's resurrected. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus was resurrected, he says this in the Gospel of Luke. He says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with what? Power from heaven. Again, that's the promise. That power will come and will, will make a radical difference in my life, your life, and the church. That same power that was available to the disciples so long ago is available to you and to me and to the church. The supernatural, heaven, that the power of heaven, of the Spirit, can come in a supernatural way and touch your life, empower your life, so that you live a supernatural way of living in a very natural world. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. In your bulletin, I've listed a number of things of how the power of the, power of the Spirit might be experienced. Lots of ways. I'm going to highlight just a few here very quickly and then end with a challenge. Let me say to you that maybe at the get-go that the, that the Spirit um, affirms your true identity in Christ. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it affirms your identity. And what I mean that by that is that you know, there are times that I feel broken. Um, I feel like I'm kind of a nobody, that I have nothing to really offer other people, that I, I'm worthless. And it's at those times that 
the Holy Spirit comes and whispers to me. Holy Spirit whispers and says, you are a child of God. You have been chosen. You have been accepted. You have been loved. You are a child of God. And just like any father, God has desires for you, a future for you. I hear those words, not audibly, but there's something in my spirit that just kind of, the spirit affirms, yes, my identity, my true identity is in Christ. And I'm a child of God. And that opens up all new, a whole new area of possibilities. Romans says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Very intimate expression. Then listen to this. For his spirit, the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Man, your identity makes all the difference. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what other people say into your life. Your true identity, the Holy Spirit comes along and says and whispers to you, you are a child of God. You are, you are of great value. And God wants to do something radical in your life because you're his child. And so that's the power of the Holy Spirit speaks into my life, speaks into your life to say, this is your identity. The power of the Spirit comes and gives you strength in those places that you are vulnerable, in those places that you are weak. The Spirit is strong. And it, the Spirit does this in countless ways. In Romans, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, here's one example. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Holy Spirit comes and helps you in your weakness, when you don't say, I, I, I got nothing. I don't even know what to say to God. The Holy Spirit steps in and begins to speak for you to the Father. Man, when, when you're facing a temptation, the Spirit comes. When you feel weak, when you feel vulnerable, the Spirit steps into your life and begins to give you strength when, when, you are, when you're weak. Maybe even when you're broken and give strength. Maybe as a parent, you're thinking, man, I, I'm, at, I'm at my ropes in, man. I, I can't figure this thing out. The Spirit comes and gives strength to you. The Spirit comes in places where you are weak. Last night, I was at the Y and with my son. And I go to the, the weight machines he goes to the free weights. He says, real men work out with free weights. I'm working on the machines. Uh, but occasionally he'll come over and tap me and say, hey, Dad, I need you. And, and I'll go over to the, the free weights. And, and he'll be doing the bench press. And he's like on his last set. And he says, Dad, I need you to spot me. And that just basically means I just stand right behind him. And as he's doing this bench press, you know, I just put my hands on the bar. And when needed, I... I, 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 I I help. I, I, I lift a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit. And so, you know, he's pushing. He's a, he says, Dad, I got to do a set of 12, my last set. And I said, okay, go for it. So he's going six, seven. I'm going, good job, good job. Eight. All of a sudden, his arms start shaking. You know, he's barely making it. And, you know, he's got three more to go. And nine, he starts pushing. And I just 
you know, I'm behind him as a spotter. And I'm just, I don't, I don't you know, muscle up that bar, but I just help. I just, I just, just with my, even my fingertips, sometimes I just, I just lift a little bit. And he goes, 10. You know, and then, then, he, then we'd go to 11. And I'm just lifting up a little bit, not much. But he hits 11. And then he just takes one last breath. He says, man, I, I got to get this last one. And he pushes, pushes, and he's just pushing as hard as he can. And I'm lifting a little bit, and he hits 12. Man, that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, it, it's not off, often radical, but it's, it's just enough. When you can't lift a weight in your life, the Spirit is helping you lift it. It's a partnership, okay? You just can't sit there and go, dude, you, you lift it. It's a partnership. And so, you know, you know I, he helps. You push, he helps. That's partnership. That's what the power of the Spirit does in your life. Where are you weak? You know, I'm not going to count the ways that I'm weak and vulnerable, but you are as well. The Spirit says, man, let me in there. Let me be your spotter to lift that weight in your life. We together can lift more than you can imagine. So the Spirit comes and gives strength. The Spirit comes so you can be people of influence. The, the Spirit gives you this passion to speak His truth, to speak His grace into the lives of other people who are far from God. I, I love this. Paul says this, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would, not, so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. He relied on the Holy Spirit as he was in conversation, as he preached, as he taught. You know, I've got people in my church who say, Hey, Kurt, um, I'm bringing a friend that's not a believer to church. You know, will you lead him to Christ? I, I'm, going, I'm going, well, yeah, yeah, sure. But what about you? What kind of spiritual conversations have you been in, in with your friend? I mean, the, the Spirit comes and empowers you to speak truth, to speak grace into those people who don't yet know Christ. And lastly, I just want to say, the Spirit comes and gives you hope where you are hopeless. Uh, man, you know, when we put hope in, to our, when I place my hope into my circumstances, into my skill set, into my personality, into my resources, it's pretty limited. But the Holy Spirit comes and gives you hope. Listen to this. Listen to Romans. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, where you, where you are hopeless, the Spirit will give you hope. Your marriage, hopeless? The Holy Spirit says, man, I can bring healing into your marriage. I can bring, I can bring a hope of healing into your marriage. Your job, a dead end? Unemployed? The Spirit comes and gives you hope in the midst of that and says, God is the provider. God will provide for you. And you're anxious about tomorrow? The Spirit comes and fills you with peace. You're hopeless because 
a family member, a friend has passed away, man, Holy Spirit gives hope of the resurrection in life. You see, we've just touched on a few areas of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it begins to change things for me and for you. It's a, it's a, it's a different stroke. Last night, I was at the gym and I swam a little bit. I'm not swimming for endurance yet. I'm swimming just to try to understand this new stroke that I'm supposed to be doing. Position of my head, my hips, my legs, the, 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 the glide of my stroke. You know, right now, you look at me, and my son watched me last night, and he just kind of shook his head. He goes, Dad, you look like a mess. I mean, you know, I used to have a good stroke. Now I'm all messed up because I'm trying to incorporate this different techniques into my style, and I feel like I'm kind of drowning. I feel like I'm sinking in the water. But I'm confident that once I learn this new stroke, and it's going to take a little time, but once I get it down, once it becomes a second habit, once it becomes natural for me, then I'm going to be able to swim distances that I never swam before. I'll go way beyond laps in the pool. My hope is I'll make it from Alcatraz to the city. That's my hope. <laughs> but it's a new stroke, some new techniques. I think you and I need to find those new growth areas. Maybe do things a little differently in your life spiritually so that the work of the Holy Spirit has more freedom to work in your life. Two challenges just to, to wrap up here. Um, one is volume. Uh, life is too loud. Life is too loud. Um, when was the last time you had an uninterrupted conversation with somebody? I mean, multitasking is the norm for us. We're wired in. I think we're losing the art of, of staying focused on one thing or on one person. We need to be focused people. Jesus was a focused person. He escaped, you know, he escaped the busyness of his life to go to a mountaintop, to get away so that he could hear the voice of God, the voice of his Father in his life. You and I need to create some space in our life so that we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've got so much noise in our life, you and I aren't hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so you need to, you need to change the volume in your life. I need to change the volume in my life. And I'm learning a practice of just getting away. I, I kind of carry a beach chair in my car now, and I love being outdoors. I, I, it just frees my spirit up a little bit and takes me away from the, the noise of life. And so I carry my beach chair, and I kind of go up into some open space areas that are kind of my favorites. If you ever see me walking with a beach chair somewhere, back off, okay? <laughs> Don't interrupt me, okay? Uh, but it's those times that the voice of God has spoken. There's, there's confirmation. There's challenge of the Holy Spirit in my life. When I just take, when I take some time, when I, take, when I, you know, get a rhythm daily, weekly, monthly, a rhythm to create some space in my life, wow, the Holy Spirit starts to speak. Holy, I begin to taste the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of new for me. It's, it's kind of a new stroke. So check out the volume in your life. 
And lastly, the word is comfort. Uh, life is too safe for most of us, especially in this culture that, that says the goal is to be, to, to find comfort, convenience, leisure. You know, I find the Holy Spirit not in those things, but when I'm desperate, when I'm stretched, when I'm exposed in some new ways, when life feels a little bit risky, that's when I begin to see more of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and, and in the church, when you take and you go out to the edge. And so I'm learning to change my comfort settings a little bit, meaning that I'm willing to take a few more risks because when I become, when I put myself out to the edge, I become a little more desperate and dependent for the Holy Spirit to show up because I, get, I quickly get to the end of my rope. I come to a dead end. I go, and I got nothing to offer here. God, Holy Spirit, you better show up because there's no other options here. And so when I began to live like that, not so safe and comfortable, the Holy Spirit starts showing up. When I lean on Jesus, when I put my weight on Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, in some new radical ways, beyond my strengths, beyond my personality, beyond my resources, beyond my skills, the Holy Spirit shows up in some powerful ways. So my, my challenge to you is your volume level. What is it? If you, want, if you want to reach some new destinations in your spiritual life, check your volume level. And secondly, consider your comfort level as well. Are you willing to change that a little bit, to put yourself out, to try some new things, whether it's a relationship across the street or, a mission, uh, or, or joining a mission, a part of your church? I don't know what that is for you, but you change, change your comfort level a little bit, and the Holy Spirit will show up. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and pray. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to read a prayer to you, a prayer in Scripture that Paul writes for the church, and I think it's appropriate for this time. So here's the prayer from Ephesians 6. And just, and just let this prayer kind of be, let it resonate on you. Let it fall on you. May it be your prayer as well. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.